answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. That's right. Glad you're with us today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We help people plan their financial future and... Um, Glad you are here with us as yes. we're talking about financial matters. And I'm glad you're here, uh, Mr. Hansen. It's been a while since I have seen you. And uh, will you share with me and the rest of the listeners what has gone on in your yes. and your family's life as of So recent. if you noticed that last weekend we had a best of program where we ran some calls. So my uh, my family and myself all uh, contacted uh, COVID. We got COVID. I had just got over COVID. And uh, did you know where you got it? No, so they had, so I'll give so it was, it was a couple of weeks ago we flew out to uh, visit my oldest daughter in Denver. Um, we were there for the weekend, came back the next day. My wife had a bit of a sinus issue, had that for a couple of days, and she felt really fatigued, like just she was just really it's like I don't get it. I'm just super tired. I went for a walk, and I'm having trouble going for a walk, and. And um, I'd felt fine, and then uh, we were we were supposed to do this other this uh, this short trip we were going to do, and so I said, "Well, you can't show up for the trip with any sort of sniffles in this day and age." Yes, I said, "Why don't you get just go get tested just to be double safe?" And it should happen to be visiting her sister that evening, which was close to a rapid place, and so she got tested and called me. She says, "You won't believe it, I've tested positive," and I thought. Wasn't that interesting? So the next day, I went and got myself tested, and, and it your, came back negative. And your girls, uh, yeah, um, yep, yeah, Jessica, um, yep. out in Denver, tested she positive. positive. Yep, and so, um, my first test came back negative, and then that evening, I start having cold-like symptoms, and I talk to my primary care physician, and she says, "Go get tested at a, not one of these rapid places, but a little more in-depth one." So. Uh, but the next day, I felt fairly sick, actually, and I went and got tested and came back positive. And so how long did the... Uh, so I was sick. Uh, it's interesting because... Was it like a bad flu? Yeah, you know, at least for you, know, you. How old are you, Scott? 54. And by the way, so Scott is, uh, as in, in by any standard, in good shape. Runner, cyclist, um, pretty much watches his diet. Yeah, I mean, I... Take care of yourself. Yeah, I don't know how much I could better shape I could be for a fifty-four-year-old. Yeah, but so I had, but it was interesting. I got lots of lots of friends were texting me, "How you doing?" But I mean, they're kind of they were. It was kind of curious, like what we all. Most people don't have anyone close in their life that has had it, and so at least for my symptoms, I felt it was a kind of a combination of cold and flu. Um, I, I thought I was going to have a bad cough. Because sometimes I get bronchitis if I get a bad cold. And so I, I had the doctor give me a, an inhaler and some coating cough syrup. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to sleep. But the, next, the day after, my cough almost went away. It was, and it was a different feeling kind of cough than I would normally Were you have. tired, run down? Super tired. Were you really? Super fatigued. And so how long did you... Fatigue and achy. I'd wake up in the morning just achy. And I had really low fever, like barely at all. Just a really minor fever, but it would go come and go because you know you can kind of. So get for how many days did this go on? Uh, this was um, five, six, seven days. And how about seven your, days? It, it, your wife and daughter. Same? Well, I say seven days, but like I'm an active runner and cyclist, I never go a week without doing. And I, I didn't. Uh, it was eight, nine days later before I went for a little run. And I still don't have my in the. It, I was released by the county on Sunday, 
Is that a big ceremony a or the county release or is it no, just a know, letter? It's, it's really bizarre. Do they call you? Yeah, I got calls. Do they do, what are they, making sure you're staying at home or what's the? No, it wasn't heavy-handed like that at all. Okay. They just wanted to see if I knew where I got it, if I'd been around any large groups, which I hadn't. And the interesting thing, if I look over the last couple of months, there were times when I was been with my wife and with dinner with other people or with not many parties, but at least some groups of a handful of people. But I had none of that leading up into this. I mean, I could have got it on the airplane, I suppose, but I don't Was know. the airplane full? Um... Uh, yeah, reasonably full. Got yeah. it. But anyway. Who knows where you got it? Anyway, well, it's good to see you. Glad you got that out of the way. <laughs> In some aspects, I am as well, right? Because, well, we don't know whether you can get it again or not. Yeah, odds are no. Yeah. Statistically, the chance of getting a second time of any sort of virus. I'm yes. no medical doctor, and I'm not pretending to be one. But what I've read... And you had lots of time to sit around the house and read. How'd that go? I didn't. I, that's, I was so fatigued, I didn't even feel like reading. Really? You did nothing for seven days in a row. I did. Oh, I worked some. I was on some work calls. You, I was on some calls with you during that time. So I worked, and then uh, I watched more TV than I had in the last year. Yeah. Anyway, here I am. So if you'd like to be a part of the program, we'll talk about financial matters. Uh, to join our program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833 999 Eight four, and let's uh, start off here in Denver with Ryan. Ryan, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. I was uh, listening to your show for the first time about two weeks ago, and decided to call in. And um, I'll say this is a treat to the Denver area, and I, I absolutely love having a, a show now that talks money and investments and finance. So, oh, well, thank you. Uh, Ryan. I appreciate you taking my call. Oh, good. Um, my call really was. Uh, I'd say generated with my concern just on the effects of COVID and what it's doing to obviously the market. And I'm curious, my first question would be what asset class you guys kind of favor within this treasury environment. And then my second question would kind of be, what are your feelings on REITs or real estate investment trusts that have exposure to a lot of commercial real estate, such as malls, and things like that. Uh, so when you uh, talk about the REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, do you own any now? I do. I have uh, quite a bit, and they're performing quite well. But when I think I have a lot of exposure um, <laughs> through Brookfield Property is a group that I hold some REIT through. Um, and I guess my worry is, like, when I go to out into the world and it, it seems like everything is so less busy or yeah. are these big structures going to survive or as somebody who's keeping an eye on their retirement, is this something that I should start considering moving money out of? Yeah. Um, but interest rates are super low, right? So that's, yes. what fuels the, uh, that's where I'm Thank calling you. the experts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what you just you hit on, and for the rest of the listeners, um, there's two types of REITs. They're non-traded real estate investment trusts that are sold by brokers and high commission salespeople. Which are which, not worth your time. Which you do not want. Or you have what Ryan owns, which are publicly traded, which you could buy on an open market. Um, so you own the right class of REITs. The question is, do you own the right kind of REITs? And you're correct. One of the things that actually has propped up the REITs is the low interest rate environment. And lack of alternatives. And lack of alternatives. So I was in a meeting just this week uh, with um, a friend of mine who runs a, he runs, I'm trying to describe this. It's a, it's a, it's a, a company that provides all the services that someone would need in the midst of a, of a real estate, a commercial real estate transaction. So just like when you buy a home, there's certain inspections you need and the title report and all that. The same sort of stuff happens in the commercial space. And so he has a, his company specializes in helping banks, community banks, investors do all the reports and whatnot. And the reason I'm telling you this is because... <laughs> They're talking about they said right now the transactions in commercial real estate are off about two thirds from this period versus last year. So sixty some odd percent decline in commercial real estate transactions. In other words, there's hardly any real estate commercial real estate transactions going on right now. Yep. But they're predicting declines in the somewhere between twenty five and forty percent. This is what this internally they they think that they'll 
you're going to see a decline in value of these real estate prices when they do begin to transact. So right now, there's a, there's not much of a market for them, right? It's very different than the home buying market. Residential market's right. on fire. Commercials, like, only a third of the transactions are happening. Who knows what these values are? And and remember, there's some of the legislation that's taking place on a national basis that's actually causing a decrease in the value of these properties, as well as they're not financed the same way as a residential property. Now, they, ha- they have much more equity in them, which on a good note, I mean, the most real the commercial real estate might be have 50% leverage on it. So it's not the same as uh, someone putting 2% down and buying a home. So back to your question, right. and you use this low treasury rate environment, which actually uh, I think is appropriate. How much of your portfolio do you have? How old are you, number one? I am going to be 39. Um, been investing since a young age. I've had good mentors around me. As far as my portfolio exposure, I'd say it's probably, I think, 50% right now in REITs. Wow. Wow. How long has it been 50%? Uh, probably the last two years. And did you do that? To, did you have it in fixed income before? Or did you have it in equities? What did you have it the, the, prior to the two years? How much was in REIT? Where did you move it from? Yeah, uh, a lot of different places. Um, some oil and gas. Um, quite honestly, some came from a real estate transaction that I completed that I kind of rolled it into that. Got it. Yeah. Um, to keep some exposure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess I, mean, Wait, I me, have what? a lot of time before my retirement, but I just, I saw what happened in 2008 when the market made the correction on the residential side. And I fear so much on the commercial side. I mean, and, and it, and, and I don't know if I need to, right? So I did some really drilling into, um, I, I don't know if you guys heard that J.C. Penney's got bought out. Yeah, I think by the, the mall uh, owners, didn't they? Yeah, the mall owners bought them, yeah, which right. I own both from Brookfield and Simon. But the details of the deal, they got, and it was only within malls, they owned the J.C. Penney. That's right. They didn't buy the distribution, but they, I believe they got the land value at a 50% deep. Yeah. deep at 50% discount, they got the buildings and operations free. They paid 600000 per JCPenney. Yep. So for me, I'm like, that is an yeah. extremely crazy good deal. Like, do I need to worry? If these are the type of deals that are going through with the REITs because the commercial market Depends what so side of the now, equation you're on. Someone was selling that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm and, like, and like, I mean, I wouldn't be, what, I wouldn't be excited about, home. I wouldn't be excited about being a mall owner right now. Well, it'll I be interesting either. to see what they do with these malls if they turn them into giant Amazon warehouses in the middle. I have I a friend that was actually saying. buying a an old Macy's store and trying to uh, turn half of it into a mini storage. Yep, yep. That's and I think you're going to see that, and that's why I'm I'm okay with it. But I've listened. I've listened. Well, fifty percent. I mean, fifty percent in in publicly traded REITs is a huge percentage. That is a, for liquid. You are, yep. You're overweighted yep. in REITs. Okay. I mean, you would say scale I back have. that position. Well, I, we have very – so as our, our firm, we have, we have a pretty small exposure to REITs right now. Almost a couple percent or something. Very small. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you need to cut that position by half. At least. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't feel okay. comfortable with that. I wouldn't feel comfortable with over 25% of my uh, portfolio. But look, I have no, look I, I have no idea where prices are going to go over the next couple of years. Nobody does. Anyone right. who says they do, they're crazy, right? I mean, come on, nobody knows. Right. <laughs> what we do yep. know is we, we can look at we can look at risks and probabilities of return, right? So, like when asset prices go higher and higher and higher, at some point in time, you're like, well, how far can they hike? Can they go right? <laughs> like before, right. without any fun- change in fundamental earnings, or the other way around. So there might be times when it just say, like from a statistical standpoint, it makes sense to overweight in one particular area than another area. But as far as the real estate market, and maybe the real estate, commercial real estate market will, I mean, I can't imagine how it's going to blow, blow past this without any decrease yes. in value because people aren't paying their rents. Yeah. Well, and, and just so you guys know, I, I, the reason I'm 50% and, and I've known this, but the REITs I'm in, I, one of them is paying me a 12% dividend, I think, on the month. Which, which would should. And so I've just been collecting that the I know whole way. And that, but that, now I'm like, I think I may need to switch my portfolio. I'm so happy I talked to you guys. Well, that, that should scare you. That 12% dividends is, should scare you a little bit. 
Why in the world? Yeah, because a, a quality commercial, the cap cap rates are much less than yeah, that. Yeah, they're sixes. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Trust so, me, I. The, you guys are hearing what I was looking at. Yeah, the, the higher the dividend, the scarier it, it can get. And are these, yeah. pip, these are publicly traded REITs that have always been publicly traded, or are these at one point in time non-publicly traded that have then went public? Uh, the ones I have majority of my money on have been long-term publicly traded. Um, one is 95 years, I think, old company, yeah. and uh, the other one well, um, yeah. been around for a while. Uh, you you should most certainly trim those uh, positions. And anytime yeah. things paying the 12% dividend, it, 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 it that that's an indication of the risk in the underlying asset. Okay. Yeah. All right. no, one has, you know, no one should be having to pay that much. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. the call, Ryan. Good luck to you, Ryan. Now it's just there was just this last week or two there was a non-publicly traded REIT that went public. Did you read this? Is one of the AR AR Realty Nicholas Shores deal, Shors. and it uh, it's down eighty percent in value from where it originally launched several years ago when it was non-traded. No, but, it, but right when it went right before it was non-traded earlier this year, it was it was twenty-one bucks a share or something like that from the original twenty-five. So it was down a little, and then it went, started trading publicly, and it just catered, cratered. And that, if you own some non-publicly traded REITs, don't believe whatever value it yeah, states on your whatever statement. They, whatever I that really, statement says, if they're not publicly traded, don't which means buy, they're not traded in a secondary market, there's no liquidity involved in it. Whatever that statement says, the value is, don't pay any attention to it. Yeah, don't buy any non-publicly traded REITs. I just don't understand. If you're gonna own, if you're gonna, if you're gonna want to own a passive real estate, buy something publicly traded. You can buy it today, but sell it tomorrow. They're not bought; they're sold. They're sold. Yeah. Non-traded <clears throat> REITs are sold. And let's talk now with Christina. Christina, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Yes. So, so I'm a federal government employee. I have a TSP account. And in March of this year, I lost about 45000 within two weeks due to the COVID pandemic. And so just when the market started coming back up, President Trump was diagnosed with COVID. And then everything seemed to come crashing back down again. So I'm wondering, how is the whoa, president's whoa, 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 diagnosis? Crashing back down? The markets are dramatic. The markets are up 50% or so from their low. Right, right. That is uh, that is right, yes. Um and I started going back into the market again very cautiously. Oh. And then this last week, Friday, when they said that President Trump had COVID, it seemed that everything came, all the market went down. And then again, I think it was yesterday or, the, or whenever he just said that he wasn't going to do the stimulus package for uh -huh. COVID. So that affected the stock market. Uh -huh. So now I'm kind of wondering... How should I invest my investment? Well, did, you, did you buy it? Were you happy when it went down? N well, no. I lost $45,000. Did, you, did you sell out your positions, though, at the bottom of the market? I changed, I yes. changed all of my investments to be into government bonds. About 95% of it, I changed everything over immediately. And it sounds like before you were almost 100% stocks. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had that um, high, high of, a, of a percentage drop. I had a good amount of money in the stocks, yes. How old are you, I, Christina? I would say I'd have about like 40%. How, how old are you? I'm going to be 62. And are you retired or working? No, I'm going to retire in five years, so I'm still working. Hmm. So what do you, what, what do you, what have you learned from this and what do you what plan do you, on doing? Yeah. What do you think you should do? Well, you know, I was kind of kicking myself that I left my stocks in the G fund for the last almost six months because I could have made more money. I, I most likely would have made the money that I lost back, yes, that's but correct. I was being too, I was being too cautious. That's right. So, I, I would say maybe within the last four weeks, I changed it over and I just started to see the returns coming back to me. Uh -huh. And then the COVID hit the, the president. Yeah. So, so let's, let's think about this. Let's, I think it came back. Yeah. It, well, it depends on, you know, what, what day we're looking at. Uh, but 
let's let's think about this. And how much your how much your portfolio is in stocks now? Well, I panicked and I switched all of my stocks okay. back into just general bonds, Got it. government right? bonds. And then, how much did you move back to stocks in the last month or so? Um, prior to that, it was at least uh, I think it was about thirty percent. Okay, is there been a life change in the last year or year and a half that that has worried you? Is there something else going on other than your investments, like a change in job status, relationship status, something like that? No. Okay. No, I, I'm just really trying to be cautious because I want to retire within the next okay. five years. And so you're, uh, I presumably, uh, you're a federal employee. Yeah, she said. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I missed that. Or I forgot it. Um, so <laughs> you're a federal employee. You, 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 you're going to have to put together a strategy um, of what your allocation is. And then you got to stick with it regardless of what the headline says. Regardless of, of, of whether Donald Trump gets COVID or not. Regardless of... Uh, who the next president, regardless if there seems to be a war in the Middle East, regardless of someone breaks into the Watergate building um, and, and, and they find bugs, regardless if, uh, if uh, uh, you know, t- Ted Kennedy gets shot, regardless, right? Regardless. And the reason being is what you just saw there is you were trying to build a portfolio based on headlines, and there is a complete disconnect at oftentimes between the economic environment in which we live and the markets. And so what you were doing is reacting emotionally um, in a manner that, 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 that you were predicting things in your head that either came through or didn't come through. But the reality is it's the timing of those things. So, you need to right. sit down with an advisor and build a portfolio that says, look, Christina, this is what your portfolio should look like in five years. This is how much risk you're going to take that the, there's going to be 50% in stock and 50% in bonds. And oh, by the way, in five years, when you retire, this is what your monthly pension will be. Oh, and this is how much money you can take out of uh, your thrift savings plan. And, oh, by the way, even if we go through a down market, you have 10 years of bond in the thrift savings plan in order to support you in order to get through the backside of the market. Because we, we coming to us and saying, when do I get back in? Um, uh, this is right because we took the hit and we didn't get the gain on the backside. Right. Um, right. So it's it it's it it it's how you're reacting to the markets emotionally because the markets are going to do what they're going to do and I promise you, you are a young lady you have lots of life in front of you, over the next twenty five thirty years in retirement you're going to see this two three more times so either decide that you're completely out of the market and that's the way you're going to live which is fine by the way if you can afford it. If you can afford it, which is fine. And by the way, it wouldn't even be the bond fund that I'd put it in. I'd put it in cash accounts, which yield almost nothing, which is fine as long as you recognize that that's your plan. But whatever your plan is, you got to stick to the plan. Right. Right. That's true. I, I, I just think, you know, I had a, I, uh, I had a plan. And then when I lost so much money within that two-week time frame, that really scared me. I got worried. That's right. That is right. So sometimes... But you probably had more in stocks than you than you realized. So yeah. sometimes it's okay to go to a professional and actually um, have them explain it to you and build the plan for you, right? And you're going to okay. pay for that, but it's gonna it's gonna It'll be less than this. It, it's gonna cost a lot less than these types of decision making that you're going through. And they can stress test a portfolio. And stress testing a portfolio says. If the market falls by 30%, this is what your portfolio most likely will do. If the market goes up by 30%, this is what the portfolio most likely will do. So you can get a feel ahead of time of what your portfolio, how it might react to different yeah. things. That okay. And it's okay to bring in outside. Look, look, I have a pretty good understanding of tax. And my wife is an accountant by education. We have, we have a professional tax preparer, do our, a CPA do our tax return. Why? I want their view of the world. Right. I pay for that. Okay. I want their view of the world. It's important to me. Okay. So 
Um, the sooner you the sooner you sit down with someone and figure out what the portfolio should look like, the better it is. And then just pretend it's, um, you know, uh, Scott Hansen used to. I worked. I've known Scott for over thirty years, and he used to say to me, you know. Pat, this is back in the days, he goes, if you plant strawberries and you pulled them out of the ground once a week to see how the roots were doing, they wouldn't grow very well, would they? You remember these analogies? Yes, yes, yes. And so the idea being uh, that it's going to do what it's going to do. And you have no idea. Nobody has any idea in the short term. So all you're trying to do is mitigate risk and determine how much risk you're willing to take. And by the way, you might not have to take any risk at all if you've got enough to retire comfortably and you have no debt, and your pension actually provides a nice lifestyle, why take risk? Right. But the government pension is 1%, so I'm not really counting on that. Oh. And then we really need to make sure you get the right plan in place That's for right. this. That's probably Even more, more important so. So than ever. So I uh, hope this was helpful, Christina. Glad you called. All right. We're taking a quick break. Stick around for more All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Hey, I want to let you know we've got our seven personal decision point virtual workshop. So it's a virtual workshop. If you're nearing retirement, you'll want to check it out. We're uh, starting to broadcast October 20th and the 22nd. Full details at allworthfinancial.com. Welcome back to All Worth Money Matters. Scott Hansen here. Pat McLean. Glad you are being part of our program. Yes, we're talking about financial matters. And uh, if you've got a question regarding really anything financial, uh, retirement, investments, state planning, taxes, love to take. Um, and I hope you're all well. well I got to share a little what does something. That mean? I hope everyone's well that's listening to the show. Okay. Uh, but I am going to share a little something that. Uh, so my daughter who graduated with a master's in education last year, teaches at um, a, a school uh, in a low-income area of town. Yes. And so... N remotely, I'm assuming. Uh, remotely, Not, remotely, remotely. When are they going back in? Uh, she doesn't know, but she does get asked. She teaches the fifth grade. She gets asked every day, every day. Do you think we'll be back in school by Halloween? Do you think we'll be back in school by Thanksgiving? So... I'm working at home remotely, and she texts me, and she's like, Dad, you got to see this Zoom. And so I look at the Zoom, and so um, she's living with us for now, but so she goes- Because so many other young people. Yeah, All she's right. like, and by the way, I have four children, and Colleen, I like her living there. She's actually a good cook. She cleans up after herself. <laughs> I went on. I was out. Brings of, your slippers in the evening. I was out of town. I asked her to do things. It gets done anyway. But she says uh, she texts me. She said, "Hey, if you get a couple minutes, come in, come into my uh, office and watch these kids do PE um, in the <laughs> remotely." And so I go, I go in there, and the. There's a PE teacher on the Zoom, if you can imagine this, and he has these kids fill up backpacks with books or whatever, and he's got he's got them doing curls in front of the Zoom, and he's counting with backpacks. With backpacks, and then they're doing lifting the backpacks over their head and they're counting. Oh, and then he's showing them how to do. What percentage of these kids have no access to um, the remote learning? Oh, uh, they all have access to the remote learning, whether they show up or not. Is okay. Well, that's different. a better way. To, yeah, that's a completely what different. What percentage are in? Uh, so she, she says a good seventy-five percent uh, show so up on twenty-five percent, and but, but it's not always the same people. Okay, and so it's not even the whole day. So sometimes she, they just drop out in the middle of the day, and what she does is she has the parents. She has the kids' text numbers and the parents' text numbers, and she'll text uh, because the kids will actually go into their room and tell mom they're in school. No way. <laughs> it's hard to believe. <laughs> and the also, I could say it's a good thing in junior high that this didn't exist because well, I would have never been on a Zoom call. I, I did tell my daughter. I said, you know, can you blame them? But she said so sometimes that, you know, she'll text the parents and say, like, your kid never came back from lunch. And the parent will go in there and the kid's playing Fortnite. With their... Oh, gosh. Anyway, but I just, I watched the Zoom video of the fifth graders doing a PE class for about 10 minutes. And I got to tell you, it was quite humorous. It uh, I felt bad for the kids because 
they really probably should be running around on the playground somewhere, but they were doing the putting their all into <laughs> lifting the. <laughs> uh, well, one day things will go back to some oh, let's hope. again. Let's yeah. hope. Uh, 833-99-WORTH is our number. Let's talk to Danita. Danita, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Thank you for taking my question. Yeah, sure. thank you. So I am 30. I bought a town home last year. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, congrats. Um, thank you. So 30-year fixed rate, 4%. Um, I didn't put much down because I didn't have to. I had a plan of saving up money every couple of years, pulling it out, and recasting my mortgage. Wanted your, I, um, Why I would your you do that? To lower my monthly payments. Um, eventually, I plan on staying in this townhome for probably five years and then renting it out. Um, okay. So lowering the monthly payments would give me a, you know, a better profit renting. Um, or okay. would you say I should take a riskier investment and kind of put that money elsewhere? Well, uh, I. What's your plan? I was confused on your plan. I, I thought it made it sound like you're going to do the opposite. So you're so saving up money for what? She's going to put lump sums in every couple lump years sum. and then recast the mortgage to lower the monthly mortgage payment so that when oh. she does convert to a rental, uh, her monthly payments will be well, lower. And I, my, my understanding, some mortgages will allow for re, recast, reamortization, and some will not. Do, are you? Yep. Does yours allow for that? It does allow. So what you want to do is take the next five years, see how far you can get your mortgage balance down, and then go buy a d different place and rent this thing out. Is okay. that right? Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So I was planning to rent this place out and I'll find a different home for myself. Okay. And and what will you use for a down payment on a new home in five years? Good question. Okay. Um, so I would not pay down the mortgage. I okay. would actually just put it in a high yield savings account. If well, that was not, no one, nothing's really high yield. Relative. Um, re relative. <laughs> it, it says high yield. It's not really high yield. It <laughs> yeah, just that's, says that's high right. yield. Because <laughs> relative to zero, point four is yeah. pretty dang high. Yeah. So I would not pay down the mortgage. I would save the money in a side pocket or a, a supposedly high yield savings account so that you actually have money for a down payment on a house if that was, in fact, the goal in five years is to turn. Yeah, what is your home. ultimate goal? Forget about the financial strategy here. You've bought this townhouse at age 29, which is good mm -hmm. for you, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and is it that you would like a, a nicer place at some time in your future and your career is going well and that's that the plan is going to be? Or is that – what's the motivation behind well, no, this? It's, it's actually a pretty nice place. Um, just logistically, I would prefer a different um, setup maybe in about five years or so. Something okay. with a backyard. Got it. Things like that. So I would think of it instead of, um, and at twenty nine, I wouldn't be in a rush to get this, try to pay this thing down either. I like all. Pat's idea of if you if you think you might want to live somewhere else, and you could afford to save some money, save some money up for that next house to help with the down payment. And don't worry about this mm -hmm. payment. And at th that time, you may choose to just sell this and and enroll the the equity and do your new house, or you may or you may choose to sell it and buy a, a different rental. Because if you're assuming you're going to get gain in this over the next five years, you have an opportunity to sell your primary residence and avoid up to $250,000 worth of gain. If you convert it to a rental, then you'll lose that opportunity. Yeah. So, so let's worry about five years from now, five years from now. But if you're able to save monthly money on a monthly basis, don't put it against the mortgage. Just save it in the side okay. pocket. Yeah, totally agree. And with I that. assume you have a good paying job. I do. I do. Have I you, just, this is my only debt, really. Good um, for you. So I'm kind of anxious to get it out of my hair. Well, you're 30 years old. <laughs> I know. But. For gosh <laughs> sakes. Just slow down a little bit. Okay, so we, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of debt, right? And we, we, we like to talk to, uh, about having your house paid off by the time you hit retirement age. Uh, but, you know, the home, the home mortgage is... As far as debt goes, it's a pretty good one because it's subsidized by the government, and you're, uh, you'd assume over the long term your home is going to appreciate at a much uh, rapid, more rapid pace than what you're paying on your your interest on your loan, and that interest okay. is going to be fixed even if we have a high rate of inflation. So it, debt tends to do pretty well during inflationary times. 
Um, and if you're at a, you're young and healthy and you've got a good career, unless you're thinking if something's going to change in your career, you're planning on leaving the workforce or something along those lines, I'd be in no rush of getting this thing paid down. I would consider refinancing right I now. I would consider I was going to go there. Because mm-hmm. you might get 3% today instead of 4%. Yeah. Well, what's the value of the home? Okay. Um, about three sixty. And what do you owe on it? Oh, probably close to that. <laughs> I didn't put much down. Oh, got yeah. it. So, go, so it last year. just just call a couple brokers and see if it makes sense for you to refinance. Okay. Alrighty. One other question I have. Sure. Um, have you guys heard of the term, or I guess use this approach, velocity banking? I have. Um, I have no idea what that means. I, I've I've heard of it. Um, tell me or what your underst- Yeah. Tell me what your understanding of it is. I haven't done all the research, but um, in most cases, obtaining a HELOC or um, home equity line of credit, and I guess they basically buy out your mortgage um, and provide you this line of credit for the value of your home. Um, I think in most cases, the rates are variable, so that makes it a little bit more risky. That's right. That's right. It, and normally, what happens is the this this by, by the way this velocity. And you banking, don't get that you, if you borrow, if you borrow more than your home's uh, indebtedness, you're not going to be able to take the tax on that, That's right. Either. So this velocity banking is just you know, it's lipstick on a pig. Um, it is okay. just another way of using your home equity. And so the idea is that you're using your home equity as a kind of a banking uh, deposit where your money comes. You get the your paychecks deposit directly in your home equity line of credit. And then you use that kind of as a, your savings account. And because you're doing that, assuming that you're going to spend less than this money put in, you will slowly be paying your home up over time. It's all garbage. It's just all, it's all, it's all, it's lipstick on a pig. It, 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 there's more danger in it. And by the way, it wouldn't apply to you anyway, because you don't have any equity in your home to speak of. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, leave well, that. Well, in a home equity line of credit, is the opposite of what you think your goal is. That's that's <laughs> right. It's it's but, taken more debt against your house. Well, the idea behind this, uh, what the, the velocity banking, Scott, is that you take your home equity line of credit and you take out big chunks of that, and then you pay it down on your first mortgage. What's the benefit? Well, I couldn't figure it out. I just could tell Unless you. Unless the benefit is that it has a current rate that's lower because it's a variable rate note. There is that. There could My be my biggest that problem with with debt. Is the lenders always want to be repaid? Yeah, but it, if at times they didn't care about being repaid, I'd be a tremendous fan. But they always want to be, be yeah. repaid. Mm-hmm. Well, we shouldn't say that. You know, the FHA uh, FHA okay. loans <laughs> okay. will may not have to always be repaid, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, when you say you going pri- to bankruptcy, private lenders want to be repaid. All right. Government-backed loans don't Danita, always it have. It sounds like it you're on the right track. Yeah, it don't don't mess with that uh, velocity. I only, uh, make sure you're saving in your employer's uh, retirement plan. If they don't have one, then make sure you're putting money into an IRA. You can put a six grand a year into that. So, um, pay save at least ten percent a year towards retirement. Regardless, I had a I had a uh, appreciate the call. I had a, a friend of mine forward me an email from her son. Would you mind looking at my son's portfolio? And at first, I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me, really. And I thought he was like 19 year old college student. I thought it was going to be like some day trading account, which I, frankly, I think those are the most ridiculous. They're silly because you're in a class for a semester. I remember doing something like this back when I was in college. You're in this semester and you're supposed to pick stocks, and there's a bit of a contest between who does the best during the semester. Like that's any real, I mean, it's total luck. Yeah. Short period. That's what I was expecting to see. Instead, it's this 19 year old. He's saving 300 bucks a month. He's got this highly diversified portfolio. 60% are indexes, uh, ETFs with Vanguard. And then he's got like 20% in stocks and all these different individual stocks. Highly diversified. Wow. Some that I wouldn't own or uh, otherwise. And then he said something about the FIRE, uh, financial independence. Oh, is that right? And I thought, here's this 19-year-old. He doesn't even have a job yet. He must have some job. He's saving 300 bucks a month. But he wants to retire already and he's 19? (laughs) I don't know if he wants to retire, but well, what's he wants mean, to get financial to, independence. He wants to get to, he said something about mom and dad, I want to get financial independence. And he laid out his plan and he wanted some advice. And so uh, I'm, I'm friends with her. She's like, hey, I, I don't know what to tell <laughs> this kid. This I, my bottom line to her was like, I don't think you need to worry about this one. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Any and, nineteen-year-old is saving three hundred bucks a month. And you uh, just called him back and told him to marry money. It's easier. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my my I was talking to my um my daughter about finding a rich guy. My wife was offended by it. <laughs> I was joking with her. <laughs> my wife took offense. Like, well, that's the kind of thing you, that you think she should be looking for in a man. I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah. obviously, I'm telling you. Well, listen, if everything else is equal, yes. I mean, they go off the bell curve. You might as well go to that far end stretch on one right, side. Listen, so is that what you should be looking for? No, but if everything else is equal. On a serious note, though, and if at a, at a, at a stage, in, it's one thing when you're 25 or 30. When you are 60 or 55, and you find yourself uh, being single, either because you were widowed or through a divorce. It, it you need to be really careful. That's true. Yeah, because we've seen it where. Um, look, I had a I had an old guy without a lot of money tell me once all he was looking for was a nurse with a purse. That's what he said. I'm like, that's what you want out of a relationship. He said, "Look, I'm like, well, that's." He wasn't a client, by the way. Okay. <laughs> That's good. But, he was a relative. But you've seen clients. Oh, you've seen it. Oh, yes. Oh, there's no question. Where you have seen it, uh, second marriage, third marriage, late in life, widow, people living widower. together. And, yes, yes. And you got to be careful. But at yeah. 19. No, 19. <laughs> uh, 833-99-WORTH is to be part of All Worth Financial's Money Matters. And we're talking with Gene. Gene, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. Hey, Pat. How's it going? I enjoy watching your show. Well, thank you. Hey, I got a question. You know, this real estate, I mean, this uh, stock market is kind of crazy. Um, I'm 69, and I've, I've just been flying by the feet of my britches all these years. And it seems like over the years I haven't really made hardly anything in stocks. But the last two years have just been unreal. I can't believe it. And anyway, I got out of the stocks last year, made money, got back in. I got out the first of this year, and, you know, I, I made 350000 And then I started, and then I sold again, and I started buying back in in June, and I can't believe it. It's like I won the lotto. My account is already up 523000 23%. And I just feel tempted to take the profits, but the thing that scares me or concerns me is the idea of paying the taxes, and I do worry about Biden becoming the president and what he might do to the stock market. Gene, what are your thoughts on that? Are you So you stated that you really hadn't made much money in the stock market up until the last couple the last of years. years. Why? I don't know. I just wasn't very lucky. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with luck. So the Dow's roughly 28000 give or take, right? Mm-hmm. So I started in this industry 30 years ago, 1990, and the Dow was roughly 2,600 back then. Wow. So over 30 years, it's gone up tenfold, not counting dividends. So when you say, I haven't made any money in the stock market except for the last couple, I don't understand. And well, the, I made money, but it wasn't really anything significant. Tenfold. Well, so how long have you been investing for? Uh, probably the last 10 years. Okay, and so you're based. So based upon what the numbers that you just shared with me, your uh, the money you're investing is approximately two point two million dollars. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, I was only in for one point four, and I took three hundred thousand out last year. But I currently have an account balance of two million seven hundred thousand. Okay. okay. Okay, because you said you made uh, five hundred thousand, yeah, anyway, and it was up twenty three percent since June. So, what, so which is where we got to the percentage of your two. portfolio is in stocks right now? Uh, I would say probably ninety, well, eighty percent. Okay, so I mean, what you're doing? It's like it's like you're getting on the freeway, going hundred miles an hour, and then you're stopping, pulling off on the side of the road, and then you wait till it feels safe again. Then you're going hundred miles an hour, mm. and then you're pulling off on the stop and wait till it's safe again, right? <laughs> You know, I, I have, you know, every time I get too high up, I feel, how should I say? Uh, I feel like, wow, I can't keep going. Well, how, how many times have you been wrong? Probably most of the time. <laughs> okay. I, I've been lucky, though. It's worked out. No, 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 no. Imagine how, it, how, imagine how you would have done had you just stayed invested the whole time. Because you missed some of the downturns, but you missed a lot of the uptick too. So I probably did. There, there, so there's a better way to look at life. 
which is it, <laughs> There's a better way to look at life. Right? No, white. <laughs> life is not black and white. Most of life is maybe actually it is gray. for Gene. It sounds like it is for Gene. <laughs> okay, so Gene's colorblind. <laughs> Gene, it, yeah. would you agree that life is not black and or white? I agree. I okay. Agree. So your it, portfolio doesn't have to be black or white either. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you were an institutional pension fund, you would write an investment policy statement and you would manage the money to that investment policy statement. So what's an investment policy statement? Well, it could say that I want my portfolio to be 60% equity or equity-like instruments and 40% bond or bond-type instruments. Mm-hmm. And that anytime it gets more than 65% in stock, I'm going to sell stock and buy bonds. Anytime mm-hmm. it gets to 55%, in bonds, excuse me, 45% in bonds, I'm going to sell bonds and buy stocks. So you're constantly buying and selling in order to keep yourself in the middle of the road. But you've been, like Scott said, go 100 hour, miles an hour, pull to the side of the road. Our, miles and our an concern hour. with it, Gene, is that studies have shown that nobody's able to do this consistently over time and, and, have a better rate of return than just having a broad diversified approach going in. And the problem is if you, if you time something poorly, it can have devastating effects. So we see much downside and little upside to the approach you're taking. Mm -hmm. So I would, I, and you're managing the money yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just blows my mind. It's up 43% this year. Okay. Physical year, I should say. Okay, well, good. That's good. That's good. But over the long term, you're 69 years of age, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you need to write an investment policy statement for your life. What 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 kind of return are you expecting out of these dollars the next, on average, the next 10 years? You know, I I really have no idea because uh, I might, you know, if I got out. You know, I would prefer to wait until after January, and hopefully Trump would still be in and maybe March or April, get back out. Um, okay, and let's say, let's say that all happens. Over the next 10 years, mm-hmm. what do you expect to earn on these dollars? You know, in all honesty, it doesn't matter as long as I don't lose ground. Yeah, and what know, is I ground? What is kids. losing? So is a high watermark always new, your new basis? Um. I, I guess what it is right now, with the money I have, I feel like it's enough to last my wife and I the rest of our lives. I'm 69. I don't know how many years I have. I don't know how many years my wife has. She's 65. But yet at the same point in time, um, I feel like it's adequate to cover us as long as I'm making So if you're money. my brother and told me that, what I would say is, okay, Gene, no, yep. it does makes it makes no sense to take these huge bets that you're doing right now because you make a poor bet and you're wrong and it's going to have it, it'll have lasting implications on your standard of living. If you're clearly at a point in life where you don't need any additional uh, assets and you've got enough to maintain your same standard of living, why take that risk? So you would suggest getting out there altogether? No, I would not. I would suggest having an approach that's designed to weather whatever happens. Who the heck knows who's going to win the election? Nobody does. Nobody does. And even if Trump's reelected, what makes you think the stock market's going to keep going up? Maybe it'll go down. Maybe he'll get COVID a second time and die this time. I mean, who knows what can happen? Maybe a meteor's going to fall on the White House. I mean, no, right? So... We have no idea what's going to happen in the future. Nobody knows. How any, and to try to bet this, that the stock market, like you, you suddenly you believe you got some some knowledge of the future that the rest of the market doesn't have. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. Well, I don't really believe I do. I've been really fortunate. The, the first years, you know, I would make some big wins, and I'd make you, some you know, big uh, losses. I, I, well, Okay. So All right. our approach, it sounds like, you know, you remind me of a friend who was at, was gambling up in Lake Tahoe at the casino. And he was telling me that how he kept getting lucky at, at blackjack and he kept making all this, these dollars. And he was telling me how good he is at the game. Well, I do understand stati- probabilities and I understand games like blackjack. 
you play long enough, the casino's going to take your money. Statistically, that's how it works, right? I mean, that's how they, they stay in business. But just because you win blackjack tw 20 times in a row doesn't mean you're good at it. It just means you've, gotten, you've had a lucky run. And frankly, if you, in fact, have done better than the market the last decade by going in and out, which I'm highly suspect that you have, but let's assume for a moment that you have made good calls, I would base it 100% on luck and not on skill. 100%. So, so anyway, wish you well, Gene. I would not take that approach of getting in and out of the market. I think it's very dangerous, particularly at age 69. So, Thank you, Scott. That's, uh, I appreciate your comments there. You're a much more patient man than I. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's just... Um... Scott, you're a much more patient man than I. Okay. So uh, anyway, I wanted to talk briefly... <laughs> Pat, 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 about a minute ago, Pat's <laughs> attention span just totally switched. He wasn't going to listen. No, I know. He didn't yeah. care what we said. He called to tell us how well he did in his portfolio, whether that was based on you know what I find interesting. Not, I don't know. So here we've got eighty plus financial advisors at at Allworth, right? And the good advisors are the ones. They're all good advisors, but the the ones that are that get so bothered by they can't influence someone's behavior. Right? And particularly younger advisors. Then after a while, I guess it's kind of like a doctor is trying to tell his patients not to smoke. Yeah. Right? After a while, you can either beat yourself up because you have patients who smoke, or you just say, you know, that's just reality. Yeah. I have some patients who smoke. That's not yes. smart, but they do it anyway. And I get it's the same sort of thing with... But if market timing worked, it, it, we were lucky enough to talk to the only man in America that actually has been able to make it work for a long period of time. And aren't we fortunate? Otherwise... <laughs> Okay. People use, and he seemed like a nice enough man, but people use an investment policy statement and stick to it through good times and bads to get to their desired outcome. That's how it's done. If you're an institutional pension, if well, you're an endowment. An invest, having a sound investment strategy. And sticking to it, good times and bad. That's the hard thing to do. That's the hard thing to do, but that's how it works. You sell things that go up, you buy things that go down. That's how it works. <laughs> that is how it works. Anyway, we are out of time, um, unfortunately. But uh, you, by the way, if, if you don't listen to this podcast, I believe we have more podcast subscribers than we have on Trestor Radio. And you can get the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, or you can go to allworthfinancial.com and uh, sign up there. And actually, on our website, we've got a lot of other great uh, topics um, of educational material. And uh, we've got a... Um, Personal learning platform, which yeah. is quite fun. Which you can, if you're looking for... Customized advice, you just go in and it will ask you a couple of questions and it will yeah. give you articles and videos to watch that pertain to your particular situation. Yeah. Anyway, it's been good being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.